The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we continue to look at the Roman era and its effect on global attitude and perspective. The Roman Empire is made holy, but relatively soon experiences a magnanimous fall. The message of the book of Daniel is similar to the message of Revelation. No matter what the circumstances and no matter who's in charge, whether it be Babylon, Rome, or Israel itself, our call is the same. Be a faithful witness to God and to His kingdom through every season and setting. I learned a lot of geography from cab drivers. And I had this uh, cab driver in Houston. He's a really happy little short guy. And I got to chit-chatting with him. And he's from some state in Mexico that I can't remember to pronounce. One of those ones that has a bunch of X's in it. So he, he said he was down by Guatemala. And I, it's only like a 20-minute cab drive. But I kind of got the guy's life in this, in this cab ride. So he, and I started asking him. And he turns out he's not Mexican. He was Indian, and his first language was an Indian language that I can't remember or pronounce either. It's like his second language was Spanish, third language English. So I was talking to him, and the conversation drifted to the point where it's really easy to ask him about, well, are you Catholic? Or He said, no, 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 no. No, I don't want anything to do with those guys. So, okay, this is really interesting. He said, no, those guys came over, and they basically said, uh, you convert to Catholicism, we're going to kill you all. So I don't want anything to do with any religion that's a convert-or-die religion. Well, that kind of fits with the Holy Roman Empire version, doesn't it? He said, no, but you know, my ancestors, we did human sacrifice. (laughs) That's not any better. No, I decided I'm just going to follow Jesus. I thought, isn't this cool? Everywhere on earth you find guys like, no wonder he's such a smiley guy. It was really neat. I loved the guy. That's all kinds of other stuff he told me. that I should have gotten his phone number. Maybe I could have had him come speak. So anyway, yeah, the Holy Roman Empire, I mean, they, it is okay. If you won't agree with us, then you won't be a servant of God. We'll just kill you. That's easy, right? Make it simple for people. It didn't really stand, you know, that if you, if you go to uh, Vienna today, you can learn all about the Holy Roman Empire, and the, the Habsburgs were the main family that did the Holy Roman Empire, and they didn't conquer that much. They mostly just married. So marriage became a, like a, a, a merchant acquisition market. I wonder if they had investment bankers for that. Probably. That's probably where the match, well, you know, kind of like an e-harmony sort of a thing. It was a... Uh, yeah, so that, that's how they, and they would, you know, have their girlfriends and whatever for their own pleasure, but then they would have this marriage stuff. That's how they acquire. And then you look at the empire, and it just keeps shrinking and, you know, break, breaking in pieces and so forth. And then it was dissolved in 1806 because the Holy Roman Emperor, I think, was in Austria at that time. And there was this fellow named Napoleon who had sort of broken loose and was wreaking havoc on the monarchies of Europe and winning. And the empire, emperor of Austria knew that Napoleon was coming for his crown. So he just one day said, oh, no more Holy Roman Empire. I'm just emperor of Austria. Small, small little piece. Didn't stop Napoleon from coming. He went over that same pass that Hannibal went over. He's uh, the second big uh, parade that came across in front of St. Bernard's Monastery, which, by the way, has been there since the 1100s and is a faith-based ministry, still operating today. It's Rome. If you say a Caesar and German, what's the word? 
Kaiser. If you say Caesar in Russian, what's the word? Czar. You get it? We are Romans and we just keep breaking in pieces and reforming. And in the days of those kings, another kingdom will be set up. And go back to verse 34. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands. So how many of you ever seen that happen? Let's go to the quarry and watch someone quarry this stone with no hands. So now the finger of God has written on stone before. We saw that, didn't we, back in uh, Moses' time? But now the finger of God's actually going to quarry the stone. And this stone's going to be used like a bowling ball. The bowling is biblical. He's just going to bowl down. It's going to hit this statue. It's only one pin. And kaboom, the whole thing breaks up and fills the whole earth. And that kingdom is going to stand forever. And whereas these four previous kingdoms all build on one another and all have characteristics of one another, the new kingdom's not going to be anything like it. So let's go to Revelation chapter 13, where we've been before, because we just finished Revelation, and I, I just want you to see all the parallels again. Now we've seen it through Daniel's eyes. We've seen it through the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 13, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his ten horns, ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him power, his throne, his authority. And I saw one of his heads had been mortally wounded and deadly wounded and was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 7. And what we're going to see here is Daniel's dream. And it's going to be the same four kingdoms again. It's going to be just like the Revelation one. Daniel 1 through 6 is kind of chronological history of Daniel and his interaction with the kingdoms Babylon and Persia. 7 through the end of the book is like the prophetic section of the book. So this is the first part of the prophetic section of the book. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, that's the guy that does the handwriting on the wall story. We'll see later. Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. So this time it isn't coming through the king. It's just come straight to Daniel. And he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other, just like in Revelation. The first was a lion and had an eagle's wings. That's Babylon. Babylon's actually had as its mascot a lion. Eagle's wings. Why eagle's wings? Anybody have an idea on Babylon why it would have eagle's wings? We can see it if we go over to home. If you go to Habakkuk 1.6, and he's talking about the Chaldeans coming over and, and invading Israel. He says, Indeed, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation. The Babylonians were well known for just rapid strikes. That is, lightning fast. And then the wings are plucked off, and he's made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. That's Nebuchadnezzar, and we're going to see that soon, because Nebuchadnezzar is actually going to become one of the great spiritual godly men of the Bible, which is one of the craziest things in the Bible, and one of my favorites. Uh, never, never underestimate God's ability to change a heart. So that's uh, Babylon. And then another beast, a second one, like a bear. How many of you would like to meet a bear in the woods? No, so bears are vicious when they pay attention to you, right? So he's raised up on one side, and he had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said to it thus, Arise, devour much flesh. So I get the image of the bear kind of laying on its side, chomping on these ribs because... He's just so gorged he can't stand up anymore. 
It's kind of this. And the commentaries say, you know, it might be like bigger on one side because Persia was bigger than Medi- than the Medes and whatever. And maybe that's part of it too. But he's obviously full. Probably the three ribs here uh, represent three Persian conquests. The big ones were Egypt, Babylon, and Lydia, which was Western Turkey or Asia. So after this, I look, and there's another one like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. So the leopard with four wings, now you're talking about something really fast. And the leopard is the most vicious of all. We went to the San Diego Zoo, and we got this backstage tour, which was fantastic. And they took us to the leopard cage, and they showed us kind of how they feed the leopard and all this stuff. And then they started talking about this leopard. It's a little bitty thing. It's about 75 pounds. It wasn't much bigger than our dog. And he, and he said, occasionally we will let the lions come into the leopard cage and the leopard go in the lion's cage. You know, not at the same time, but, they, they, you know, just so they can have a little change of experience. He said, so we did that, and there's several lions, you know, big, you know, shaggy mane and the pride and all that, and just one leopard. So when they let the leopard go into the lion cage, she walks right out, smells the lion, and says, like, all right, is somebody in here that needs a piece of me? Because if you do, just, let's just get it on. How many of you are there? Five? That's not enough. That's the attitude of the leopard. And they say the lions came over and smelled the leopard and wouldn't come out. <laughs> they, they would just kind of peek around the corner to see if the leopard's there. And finally, when they got convinced there was no leopard, then they came out. You get increasingly vicious here. And this leopard has four wings. So it's not that they're not fast enough. The thing can fly, too. Well, that's Greece. I mean, Alexander conquered the Persians like in three years or some crazy thing. Maybe six, Maybe it was six years. It wasn't very long. It just, just like, like lightning. Now, part of that is because the way he went about it, which we'll talk about in another time. This is Greece. And then he saw in the night visions, verse 7, Behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth, devouring, breaking in pieces. You've heard that before, right? had huge iron teeth. It's trampling residue with its feet. So, Rome. There's Rome. Now let's go back to, to Revelation again, 13, Revelation chapter 13. And let's just go through it again. The beast was like a leopard. So there's Greece. It's vicious. Its feet were like the feet of a bear. So it's got the, the pillars, the foundation of Persia. Maybe Persia was pretty well known for its administrative capabilities. That was a strength and a weakness. We'll talk about that in the future. And his mouth like the mouth of a lion. He's got the... The meanness of a leopard, the speed of a leopard, and the jaw-crunching ability of a lion. So we see that these, these kingdoms are all built on top of one another. As they go along, they acquire each other's characteristics. And when we get to the end here, the beast, it's got like the best and worst of all the things. Best in terms of strength, worst in terms of what the strength is applied to. Okay? So that's the world's kingdom. But what's going to happen is that world kingdom, that single statue made up of four pieces... That one beast that has characteristics of all the four kingdoms that have come before it is going to be smashed into pieces, turned into chaff, thrown to the wind, and to be never more. Now, if politics bothers you, think about that often. This is just a temporary battle we're fighting. It's one we need to fight. We're citizens. We've seen from Romans chapter 13 that we the people, it's our responsibility what this country becomes. And we all have a, a citizen responsibility to exert. Each one of us will be called in a different way to do that. But ultimately, ultimately, the real answer is a total displacement. And fortunately, 
Our permanent citizenship is in that kingdom. Isn't that cool? Now, why is that message in Daniel? And why is that message in Revelation? Well, let's just close by thinking about the context of Daniel. They're ripped out of their homeland. They have been told the temple will protect you. God will never let anybody come and knock the temple down. God told them through Jeremiah that that was wrong, and they didn't listen. So they come and knock the temple down, and they pluck them over into Babylon. Now God told them, I'm, going to do this. I'm doing this for your good, and I'm going to bring you back in 70 years. But if you're in Babylon, don't you want to know, does God really have this under control, really? I mean, I've got the priest telling me one thing. And I got the prophets telling me something else. Who am I supposed to believe? And along comes God and says, Well, let me just give you something that's so spectacular and so validated by, guess who? The king of the world, Nebuchadnezzar. That you just got to believe it. And here's what I want you to get. I got this. The whole world is in my hands. Nothing's going to happen that I don't authorize. We come to the early church. Horrific persecution. The church is going to go from... A tiny group of people to half of the earth in 300 years. And along the way, horrific persecution takes place. And it's Rome that's doing the persecution. Now you're in the Roman era. And people want to know, well, are we doing the right thing? Is this, is this where we're supposed to be going? And the message is the same. And as we saw in Revelation, no matter how crazy the circumstances are, God just wants us to be a faithful witness and not fear death. And guess what? That message isn't new. Because what was he telling the Jews in Babylon that had been displaced from their homes? And in Daniel's case, probably castrated and made to go through a pagan university. He's telling them, look, just be a faithful witness. Don't fear death. i got this. This is my world. Pretty cool, huh? So uh, next time, we'll keep going on in, in Daniel and see what happens with Nebuchadnezzar. Great character. Thanks, God, for this message. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for your control of the world and all of its history. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.